Howdy, friends. You're listening to Teaching from Our College Ministry here at FBC Bryan. We hope you enjoy this message from our college pastor, John Davison, as we continue to journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have any questions, reach out via social media, or you can visit our website at fbcbryan.org slash college. We hope you enjoy. Amen. Thanks, God. T, T says, um, getting us into the service. We are a long way into the service, T. We, <laughs> you've... Ooh, a minute gave. Um, we've we've heard there it is. We've sang and we've heard God's word proclaimed through story and through testimony and been praying all of those things. And so now we're gonna. What I I love. I need you to grab a hold of a lot that you've heard today. There's there's been a lot of mission talk and a lot of a lot of story and a lot of encouragement and. Uh, some of you are probably just confused on all of that, and I, I really enjoy where he landed. It's, it's probably the most fruitful thing that's going to be said tonight, that, that you are called. You're called to participate in some way, shape, or form. And he's polite in his response to you uh, in that if you're hearing that you are not called during this season, um, he's saying, well, maybe you should pray about that. No, the enemy's lying to you. And so you've got, you're called. I just, I want you to know that. Right now you're called to, to step into mission. You're called to go. What we're going to read today in Ecclesiastes is going to help us with that. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you kind of what's going on here really quick as they're dialing in this mic. So I sound like I'm going to go crazy. Um, at the end of chapter nine is kind of where we got part of the way through chapter nine. And then he, he takes this turn. And for a lot of verses that you're going to cover in, cover in Bible study this week, if you're not in a Bible study, go to one this week and just hear this because really the Bible study leaders have been challenged to go from nine verse 13 all the way basically to the end, 12 verse seven in one week. They're not going to do that. They're not going to cover all of them exegetically. You're not going to hear all of that. There's some things they're going to pull out of there that are, are really, really powerful for you. But this is, this is what Solomon is doing. He's, he ends sort of what we were talking about last week. Since you are called by God, since you have been um, equipped and called by God, then here's some things that you can do to live out your faith out loud. And these are fun things. These are like not what you normally hear in the Baptist church things. He's going, eat really, really good food and gather your friends. That's a Baptist church thing all day. We like build buildings around food. Um, fellowship hall just basically means a big place to serve food. And... So he's like, eat really good food and surround yourself with people who do that. Drink really good drink and do that in a, in a wise way, but enjoy those things that God has given you. Find the right relationships important to them. Throw really, really good parties. Wear nice clothes. Smell good. Love everybody. And this is, this is like a, a sweet little encouragement. And then he goes, and here's kind of how you function. And so for the next whole ton of verses, he goes, here's some, here's some ways to act. And he gets into chapter 10 in a lot of ways what he does with Proverbs by just like throwing stuff all on the wall. He's just like thinking and he's just chunking it on the wall. And he's like, here, absorb this and take this. And he's, he's like folly and wisdom. And then he goes and he's like skillful and unskillful. And he goes like, hey, there's some people that are going to talk too much. And that's scary for me as a pastor, but there's some people that are going to talk too much and maybe you shouldn't listen to them. You should be slower to speak. And he's like, hey, here's the quality of leaders in the church and in the government and all around you. The quality of leaders really matter. And then he lands the plane with some encouragement. I think the Bible study leader is going to give you at the end of chapter 10, kind of just like how to function as a believer. And the first six verses in chapter 11 are all about finances. They're all about how to care for your money, how to invest your money. He's talking investments before I think investments really were a thing. He's like, hey, just invest overseas and invest in a lot of places and be wise with your money. Why is he saying be wise with your money? 
Because he wants you to have enough money to throw really good parties, to eat good food, to drink good drink, to, to have friends. And he, he makes the statement that basically like that having money is everything. He's not saying that it's the most important thing. He's saying for you and for me and for most people on this planet that a lot of your problems revolve around some sort of financial issue. Like a lot of the things that you worry about as college students often are financial in nature. I have taken out $100,000 in loans. How am I going to pay those back? I can't afford to eat. What am I going to do with that? Um, there, there's all of these things that revolve around money. And, and so often we make money this enemy, like it's evil. And Scripture is really, really clear that it's not kind of how we handle it is. But money is unbelievably powerful for the gospel. When we talk about missions and we talk about sending you, there are people in this church that have handled their finances in an unbelievably beautiful way and the Lord has blessed them. And so then they write us checks and they go, send college students, send college students. And so it's hard for me not to go that money's not important because you're going to go on trips that are going to cost thousands of dollars. You're going to beg people for that money because you're poor. And they're going to give it because they've, they've invested well and they've handled their money well. And this is, what he's, this is what he's saying. Like it's an unbelievably powerful weapon. And so if you're trying to figure this out, pray those first six verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And then in four verses here, he he speaks to young people kind of in a unique way that I need college students to hear. This is where we're going to camp out, right here. Verse 7 of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Light is sweet, and it's pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Like, okay, what does that mean? What he's saying here is that it's good to be alive. Like, it's good to be able to, to see the light. It's pleasing to see the sun. He's saying life is a really, really good gift. And, and we think about this kind of in terms of springtime is really the language that he's using here. Some of you love this weather that has just arrived. And I agree with you. It's like, you can, you can finally put on a hoodie. You can finally like, and we went out and played football with a couple guys. Finn had asked this for his birthday. And we're like, we're not taking guys out to play football in the middle of July. We will all die. Let's wait till it gets a little bit cooler. He chose that day. And for some reason, the Lord was like, it will be 30 when you go play football. We go out there with some college guys and Scotty shows up. I don't even think he's in here. Scotty shows up in like shorts and a t-shirt. He's like, I love this weather. I'm like, bro, you love this weather because you're extra hairy. The rest of us are like, we're like cold in this weather. But think about this and like the struggle that the winter is. We enjoy it for a little while and then you just begin to hate it. But think about spring. Like spring's perfect. Except for the rain. Rain's stupid. Um, spring is, spring is this, this moment where the weather's kind of in that perfect space. And for those of you that like plants, like plants come back to life. I don't really care. Like I, I like to eat plants. I don't like to look at plants. Um, and, and you like, oh, the, the trees are blooming and the flowers are blooming and the birds are chirping and all of those things are, are happening. That's sort of the spring. And we get excited about the spring, but then what comes after the spring? Summer. And, and we're in Texas. And we're closer to the ocean. And it smells. And it's hot. All of those things. Imagine though living in Alabama. So much worse. Um, <laughs> you walk outside in Alabama, it's like you took a shower in hot water in the summer. But the summer, and then, and then the fall happens, the fall's not so bad, and then the winter, we get excited about the winter for a little bit, and then it gets too cold, and you hate it, and then you wait for the spring again. This is what he's talking about. The light is good, it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Being alive under the sun, it's that language that he continues to use, it's sweet, and he's, he's making these points. Sometimes being under the sun is just like painful and it's drudgery. He says that over and over again. But other times being under the sun is joyful and it's all about the mindset that we have. But 
here's this idea. Why is the spring, the illustration, why is the spring like so sweet? And why are we encouraged to take advantage of it? Because there are seasons that you just don't enjoy. That's what he's saying here. And spring may not be your thing. Summer may be your thing. Take it that way. Fall may really be your thing. Winter you may love. And he's going, whatever that season that you're in that you love, know that it's temporary. Know that that season for you is temporary. And he's kind of leaning into the young versus old here. And so begin to put that in your mind. Like the season you're in right now is also temporary. Verse 8. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. And let him remember the days of darkness since they will be many. All that comes is futile. That's that hebel. That's the meaninglessness. That's the, the vanity. And so he said, hey, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them. But also remember this, the days of darkness are even more. Now, he's not talking heaven and hell here. He's not even really talking eternity. He's going that the amount of time that you're alive is just a blink compared to the amount of time that you will be dead. I'm like, bro, that's sad. <laughs> That's wildly sad, but here's the comparison that he's making. He's trying to put us in this space to realize that the, this little spot that we've been given on this planet, the dash in between the, the birth year and the death year of your life, that little spot that you've been given is temporary. And some of you are like, it feels like I've been here forever. You've been on the planet for about 20 years on average for you, all right? You're 25% expired. You're like, oh, you put it that way. Man, I'm 50% expired, all right? So it's worse. Thank you for that. It's unbelievably temporary. The days in darkness are so much more than the days in life. And at the end of it, it's all meaningless anyway. Like, it's fleeting is really the, the best way that we can say that. That all that comes is fleeting. It just flies by. This is momentary. And then the days of darkness far outnumber these and so with that, the knowledge of that, what are we called to do? Like live, just, just live and not just be. He's calling you to live, to enjoy, to live out loud. And as we talk about missions and we hear all of these things about what God is calling you to do, when you begin to, to walk in the ways that God has called you to, hear me, life is so much better. Life is so much more joyful. You, you are experiencing things in such an unbelievably different way when you're going, hey, I'm going to be a child of light. I'm going to understand that this life is temporary, and I'm going to engage in life in the best way that I can. I'm going to live life to the full, and I'm not going to so much worry about the days that are like when I die. I'm not focused on that. I'm just going to be focused on this because soon it's going to be futile. When you're young, I don't think many of you really think about this until I said that you were 25 percent expired here. You don't really think about death. We talked about this in the previous weeks and the importance of just like remembering that that is to come. But when you have an understanding that this is temporary, that you are going to die, then you're going to be better at enjoying life. This is 100. It's proven if you, for those of you that are like medical field people and you're going to go into the difficulty that is that, and you're going to share with people like, hey, you have this disease and it's going to kill you. 90% of the time that people, when people hear that and they know like, like their time on this planet is, is shortened, they live life in an unbelievably passionate way. It flips a switch in them to be like, all right, let's go. And they, they start living life in an incredible way. You have the occasional few that they hear that and they go into like a depressive state. But most of the time, like, all right, thank you for letting me know when the end is. Watch me go. They start checking things off their bucket list. You got old people jumping out of planes. Like there's all kinds of things that are happening at that point. 
Because they're just like, oh, my time here is limited. I'm going to live life to the full. And then verse 9, like, like I love this. This next verse commands us not to, not to postpone our enjoyment for like some future thing. And this is, this is kind of a difficult thing for you. It says, rejoice, young person. While you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart, and in the desire of your eyes, but know that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. And there's some important things that are, that are happening here, because again, he brings this tension where he's going, hey, enjoy life, but also fear God. I need you to, you're young, and I don't need you to be looking forward to the things that are come. I don't want you to be like, hey, man, I can't wait to be married. Like, that's going to be so great. Like, I can't wait to graduate. I, I can't wait to have the perfect job. I can't wait until these things happen. He's like, hey, no, like, live to the fullest now. Don't be looking forward, but think about what you have, the freedom that you have now. Rejoice, young person. While you are young, enjoy life. But while you're enjoying life, he brings up this word at the very end of this verse that a lot of us don't like, judgment. When we think judgment, often you go, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of judgment. I, I, I love God, but I'm not really looking forward to that being judged thing. And what he's, what he's doing here is he's not bringing a negative. He's actually speaking of judgment in a positive form. He's going, live life to the full. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes, but know that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. And he's making this assumption. You're going to go one of two ways. You're going to abuse this. You're going to, you're going to think, okay, he's calling me to live, and so I'm going to do things that are, that are against what God is calling me to. I'm going to mock him. I'm going to enjoy life, but I'm not going to fear God. Or kind of the other side of that, that we're actually pretty good at the church, is that, that I'm going to fear God so much that I'm not going to live life. I'm going to, I'm going to take his commands, and I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to him so tight that, that I don't even actually live. I don't, I don't have fun anymore. Now, some of you are like, you just think that sinful things are the only fun things that you can do. But when I was growing up, it was like, hey, you, you can't dance. I was like, well, David danced, and there was one point that he threatened to take his clothes off uh, in the Bible. What do I do with that, youth pastor? Um... And, and you have to really, really guard your language, and you, you have to be careful with the things that you eat, that's true, and you have to be careful with the things that you drink, that's true, and alcohol is of the devil, and if you ever see anybody drinking that, you run from, the, from them really, really fast. And a lot of, hear me, that this was sin in my life too, and so I'm not pushing blame completely on somebody, but a lot of those things that the church was like pushing down in me made me begin to hate like my family members, because my mom was, was a drug-abusing alcoholic. And I knew that what she was doing was bad, but then when they were like, and also like alcohol is just like the, like the devil's liquid, and it, like she's drinking that, and so you got to run from her. And I just didn't, I didn't like the things that she was doing, and I began to not like who she was, and I began to think that she was evil, and it, it caused me not to share Christ with her for a long time just because of some of those things that I was fearful of. Was she abusing it? 100%. Was she in the wrong? For sure. Were my thoughts towards her and some of the things that she were doing wrong? Also 100% true. And so what he's calling us to here is to, is to live life in a way that honors God. God's going to bring you to judgment. And so walk in the ways of your heart. It just assumes that you're seeking God with your heart, and he's changing that. The desires of your eyes, you're looking to him to give you his eyes. And so, so you're going to live in a way that is going to be unbelievably joyful and unbelievably fruitful, and you're going to enjoy it 
in a way that brings God glory. And he's calling us to do that like while you are young. And this is the cool thing when we think about judgment at the end of this. He, he's saying like, hey, don't, don't follow after your own thoughts, but, but seek God with your heart and allow him to change that. Seek God to, and allow him to change your vision and so that you will be seeking God with his thoughts. And this thing that I wrote down says that one thing about judgment, the one thing that judgment does really is it makes your actions meaningful. When you understand that judgment is coming, then it makes your actions meaningful. If you're not going to be judged by the things that you do, then the things that you do are pointless. They are. But if there's, there's purpose behind it, if, there, if you're reporting to somebody about it, then it brings purpose to your actions. It makes your actions meaningful. And, and this is what I love. Like I need you to hear this. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. God, God takes you seriously. Okay, hear that. God takes you seriously. Even if you're one in eight billion that are wandering around this planet right now, and even if you're one of, I don't know what the entire existence of this planet is, he, he takes you seriously. He takes you so seriously that he sacrificed his son for you. He takes you so seriously that he wants to have an intimate relationship with you, so much to the point that when Christ was killed, the veil was torn, and you have instant access to him now. He takes you seriously enough that he desires to, to give us a new earth and a new heaven that we can enjoy forever in his presence. He takes you that seriously. And because he takes you seriously, he also takes judgment seriously. And so what we do matters to him. And so what he's telling us here and what the entirety of Scripture echoes really, really loudly is that we should enjoy life responsibly as God has designed. We enjoy life in a responsible manner as God has designed it to be. And, and we got to hear this. If, if we function that way, enjoying life in a way that's going to bring us the most joy, and in order to do that, we do it in the way that God has designed, that means that you no longer get to determine how you do marriage. It means that you don't get to determine how you do food and how you do drink and how you do finances and how you do sex and how you do family and how you do work and how you do relationships. You don't get to decide all of those things. They've been clearly outlined in Scripture. You get to do those things joyfully in the manner that God has commanded for you to do. That's how you seize the day. Like, we've got to understand the original creation was like, hey, Adam and Eve, you get all of this. This is what I need you to do. I need you to obey me and I need you to be fruitful, and I need you to multiply. And, and I shared this at Impact for those of you that were there last year. The original commands of God were pretty simple. Eat really, really good food and make a whole lot of babies. Like, that's, that's a ton of fun. This is what he's commanded for us to do. And he, he's created us to function in these ways, and when you do them, it brings you the most joy. And this is not something that you look forward to. Now hear me, like I'm not telling you to go out and make babies right now, okay? What I'm telling you to is that you're called to live life, even in your young age, in a way that is passionate and that is God-glorifying. And so people are going to look at it and go like, why are they living this way? And this last section, the last little verse of this um, is, is so important when we think about like what it means to really seize the day. Remove sorrow from your heart. Put away pain from your flesh because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. He says a couple things that we need to remove from us because our youth is fleeting. And, and I, this word, I looked this up, it, it kind of irritates me a little bit what he does here. He says we, we put away these couple things we're going to talk about because youth and the 
prime of life, and I looked up what prime of life was, because I was like, that is a weird, in, in the CSB, like, that's a weird way to put this. Like, I, don't, I don't see that in the Bible. What is this, what is this word? And, and hear me, this is like the, the Greek of this. This is not a card that I normally play, uh, but it is ha shaharut habel. Like, what does that mean? Anybody? You know the last word. Fleeting. Habel. Ha-shaharut literally means that your black hair is running from you. And I went, rude? It says the prime of life, it basically means that you are going to turn gray. Your hair is fleeting. Your black hair is going to go away. The prime of life literally means the black hair is leaving. Like, okay. So, so with that knowledge, okay, because some of you are like, I'm, I'm in college and I'm going to graduate and then these things are going to happen. You're going to blink and all of a sudden, like half of your life is gone. It is, it is fleeting from you. And he says, here's two things that you must remove from your life so that you can enjoy life where you're at right now. Two really, really simple things that are unbelievably difficult. The first one, you saw it in there. Remove sorrow from your heart. He says that if you want to enjoy your youth responsibly, you need to remove sorrow from your heart. You don't idolize youth to the point that you like lose your mind when youth is gone. You also don't hold on to these things that, you, that, are, that are grudges against people, of unforgiveness, of, of like, I can't believe that I missed out on doing those things, and so it affects how you live the rest of your life. He's saying remove that sorrow from your heart. Now, I heard, this, I heard this story about this boy who got these really, really cool shoes for Christmas. Some of you, like, wear them at retreats and stuff. It's those light-up shoes that every time you, you take a step, like, it flashes. You know what I'm talking about? It's how, how parents that aren't real good at watching their kids, they put them on there so they can see them from a distance when they're running off. Those, those light-up shoes, those are better than those squeaky shoes that those kids wear in the mall. They're like, just all through the mall. These are these light-up shoes. He gets these shoes for Christmas, and he's wearing them all Christmas Day. And you know what his mom does? Hey, you need to be careful, because when that battery runs out, we can't replace those. And so that, like, fear rests upon this kid. And so then he, like, puts them on every so often, but he does, he's afraid to wear them because he doesn't want the light to run out. And you know what happens? His feet grow. And you're like, that is the saddest thing ever. <laughs> He was, he was so scared that they were going to die that he didn't get to live in them. Man, that was good. His feet got too big. Imagine that sorrow that he's holding on to. This is what he's saying. You, you can't be looking back at the things that you've missed out on, and you can't even be looking forward to the things that maybe one day, maybe one day you're going to get. Live in the moment and put that sorrow down. Like you gotta, you got to engage. And then he says, put away pain from your flesh. And that word pain, some of you you're, in your Bible, it may say evil. It literally translates to sin. We remove sorrow from us so we can live in the moment and we put away the sin from our flesh. And, and this one, like I love that they use the word pain there because this is a difficult one because your sin can spoil your youth. 
To, to put away pain literally means to repent. Repent from the sin that's in your heart. God, God made this life as a gift to you to be enjoyed in the way that he has designed for his glory. Like your life is literally a gift handed down from the Father. You are, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he has destined for you to do. That he, it says he predestined you to do these work before the creation of the world. You were made and designed to do the things that he has designed for you to do. And your sin gets in the way of that. And it can, it can wreck your youth. And so you run into major problems when you depart from God's design for your life and not like repent and run back to those. When you choose to do marriage and relationships and food and money and work in ways that he does not intend for you to do, it leads to brokenness and it leads to pain in your life. And he's saying, put away the pain from your flesh. When you've run from God's design in your life, you have to learn to turn to repent and look back at God. And this is why Solomon can say what he says next, and we're going to pray and we're going to worship. He's basically like, hey, you, in your youth, you've you got to live this way. You've got you to rejoice in this season. You've got to chase God. You've got to enjoy life while fearing God, knowing that judgment's coming, and judgment is a good motivator to live life in a way that honors Him. You need to remove the sorrow from your heart, not looking back, just worried about how you mess stuff up and not looking forward to things that you may never get, but engaging in this moment now that he's given you. And, and I didn't talk about this, but this is such a powerful like motivator to missions because you have zero excuse. You got nothing holding you here, except maybe like you got to take some classes and stuff, but your summer should be free. And you could live three months in a jungle sharing Jesus with people. Because you can do that in this moment, but when you're thinking like, what if in the future, or I can't do that because of this in the past, remove that sorrow, and you put away the sin in your flesh, you, you turn from those things, because youth and the prime of life are fleeting, and he says this, so remember your creator in the days of your youth. It's the smartest dude on the planet, because God has given him all wisdom, and, and how does he end this entire like, really book as he begins to turn this corner? He says, this is what you do in your youth, remember God. And that's an everyday thing. Every day, remember God. Like what Sierra said, it was so unbelievably powerful. Like you're equipped, you're prepared. Most of the time you're just looking at the wrong thing. Remember God. And if you could, if you could wake up every morning and just go, God, help me remember you today. That would be unbelievably life-changing for you. Remember God in the days of your youth. Don't miss it. Let me pray for you in the worship. God, thanks for your goodness. God, thanks for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you that like the greatest movements that the church has ever seen of the gospel in places, in dark places, all around the world started with people the same age as men and women in this room who said, every day I'm going to remember God. I'm going to put sorrow aside. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to pray my guts out, and I'm going to commit to go. I'm going to commit to be bold in sharing my faith. And, and often those revival moments started at home. Like they started on their campus. They started in their dorm. They, they started in their neighborhood. And then they spread. And so, so may we remember what you're calling us to here and commit to what you're doing out there. 
And, and may it start with a proper understanding of what you've called us to, how you've called us to live life. Laying down sorrow, laying down our pain, repenting of our sin, looking to Jesus, like enjoying life and fearing God. Now that's it. And may we boldly chase after that. Right, just teach us how to do it by your spirit. In Jesus' name.